I'm Richard Fieldhouse. And I'm Sarah Chambers. And today we are reviewing the latest edition of the Sessional GP magazine, the October 2017 edition. Um, and so kicking straight off, Sarah, into the first article, which you've written on the Swiss cheese effect. Yeah, so this Swiss cheese and significant events... And this is using the oft-quoted model of thinking about significant events um, using the analogy of, of holes in Swiss cheese. And it starts with this idea that, if, for those that, that haven't heard of this model, I expect lots of people have, but for those that haven't, it starts with this idea that mistakes are bound to happen. People are bound, human beings are bound to make mistakes. And there's this discipline called human factor engineering that lots of other safety critical industries like the military and, and aviation use and they and they they start with this right the person's going to make mistakes so we need to build in these um, layers of of protection um, systems around them to reduce the tendency to error and then uh, if an error does happen the starting point is it's not the person that's at fault, it's the layers of uh, protection, layers of protection in the system to reduce errors um, that have all aligned to allow a mistake through. So if you're thinking of your Swiss cheese, it's like the, uh, the, the, the layers in your holy Swiss cheese, think of Emmental, etc., all lining up to allow um, a, a mistake to slip through and that person to make an error. So I just think, good Lord, what... Uh, uh, a necessary and refreshing approach to looking at significant um, events. And I know we're kind of, there's lots of talk about that starting in, in healthcare, but I'm not sure we're there yet. Because it's a cultural thing largely, isn't it? And that can be really difficult to, to shift. Um, it's so easy and it's so convenient and when we're all pressured to just make a snap judgment and just find someone to blame and we think we've sorted the, the problem out. Um, I mean, it's, so it, us working in, as, as, as sessional GPs in, in lots of different practices, um, I guess that there, 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 it, it comes at it both ways. One is that blame can be apportioned to us for a mistake that we've been involved with. And I, and I think it's important to get into the headset reading from your article that, that if we sit and we make a mistake, we've, we've prescribed the wrong drug, we don't immediately think, yeah, I prescribed the wrong drug. Hands up, it was me, it was my fault. But but why did you prescribe the wrong drug? Were you, um, were the notes you were looking at okay? Was the pay, were you rushed? Were you having to run an hour behind because of whatever, mm. whatever things? Were there not enough GPs mm. in the practice? Was that patient mm. already angry or upset about something? Yeah. But also... I think often we, we, we work in surgeries and we often will, will see management decisions or, or things that we're quite, um, um, we don't think, well, things that could have been done better. And again, we too are in this rush position to apportion blame, blame a practice or blame mm. an individual GP. Mm. But it, it, it's because it's quick and easy to do, but actually stepping back and thinking, well, maybe that GP, when they gave that advice or said that or did that examination, maybe they were rushed or ill or were doing two, mm. 10 things at once or their part, the, the partners were away. So it's, it's having... I, I, what I like about this article is it, it really... Um, um, opens up that sort of that that cultural approach that we need need to adopt and all be be you know all be part of in, being involved in in mankind not just not just as individuals. Yeah. I mean it, it's 
I think you've hit the nail on the head that it's that we are almost psychologically as human beings adapted to 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 go to, to pinpoint blame to individualize blame and this is this article is very much talking about you're saying that's actually that's not reality that's not actually usually what happens even when something appears to be solely mm. a clinical decision in the way that you've described there are often huge layers numbers of layers of factors around that and it's just trying to go for to get people into the habit i'd be very interested actually if we could work on this about thinking about ways that we um as the nhgp could to look at ways of um moving away from this personalizing blame culture to a more kind of aviation style um industry style approach of stop think think bigger um uh, I don't know. Yeah, we, we we've got. I mean, already in our in our appraisal aid package, we've on, on the website, which you can, which as as NASGP members, you you can access. We've got various sorts of templates. There, we've got a significant event templates, and within those, it enables you to bring in those outside factors, and also part of our ongoing development of the practice platform in two thousand and eighteen. This is very very much a part of of what we will be bringing in with that. Is is um. um Tying in with with the with with SPIP and with with Locum Deck, um, the ability for when significant events and complaints about you or from you, it will allow you to take in system wide factors mm. Um, mm. And, and yeah, getting away from the, um, the the personal thing. So I think at the moment in appraisal aid, they're they're under the QIA's Equality Improvement Activities. There's significant events and there's enhanced significant events in which we at least try to bring in some of the bigger system yeah. factors. And we're referencing work there, fantastic work on enhanced significant event analysis that's been done by NHS Scotland. Yeah. Um, which we which we must reference. Um, yes. And I just think it's so important for us as personally, as individuals, to do this, to be kinder to ourselves and to our colleagues. But also it's about true learning and true improvement in systems rather than just having this very kind of superficial um, portioning blame too quickly to an individual. And lo and behold, the problem's not sorted and it happens again. And um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So next, Richard, the next article... Um, is is by Sonia Hutton Taylor, who's the founder of the Medical Forum Career Management. She's a career coach mentor, and this is, I think, the fourth, uh, the fourth and final article in her series about setting goals. Yes. And we really loved this. Yeah, I really liked it because it, it it's it, it really gives us uh, some practical tools of how to now go away and 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 get going. And, and Sonia introduces something called seismic which I'd never heard of before. And it's sort of the antidote to SMART, because at the end of every appraisal, my appraisal was telling me about setting SMART goals, which are great for appraisal, but it's not great for life goals, I think. And it's what Sutton, what Sonia comes through with. And and, and I was thinking, so, so the seismic stands for, um, it's an acronym uh, for, actually, initialism, for the first is SOAR, about thinking big. So I was thinking in terms of if I was a GP... As in soaring, as in flying. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, yes. I suppose it works better right. better on paper, as it were. Um, so I was thinking about it, you know, if you're a GP and looking at a life goal and whether your life goal might be, say, setting up a homeless clinic, rather than thinking about it in terms of, you know, a room and once a week and, you, you know, over the winter, maybe thinking thinking big about, well, maybe if this works, I can roll this out across other other areas. Um, 
and, and about about how the the an E stands for it make that goal empowering so it almost gives you a mandate to go off and do it uh, the I stands for inspiring actually is it something that motivates you maybe you're not you might be the sort of person who feels really inspired with homeless clinics or something else might inspire you so, and Sonia's previous articles um, goes back goes back to to finding that um, sustain whether it has whether, whether you can sustain it whether it has momentum M stands for meaningful, so it sort of aligns with your own values, and this is stuff that the smart approach doesn't do. Um, so, so yes, and the, and the rest, of course, you you can you can you can get from that. The final one of seismic is a C for co-create, and really reminded me of um, a saying I heard. I think the Kalahari tribe about that if you want to go somewhere. Um, fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go, if you want to go far go with someone else oh, so do it do yeah, make, yeah. align your goals with with other people's so um yeah a, a great link and sonia's also got a link there to some freebies on her website as well and and a great discount too for some for any sgp members about really nailing down some some fantastic support from sonia i think i thought the main thing i took from it was that is that sonia said makes the point that she so often meets people who are so stuck, and I think this might be a particular mindset of doctors, that they're so stuck with other people's demands and just busting through and being there for other people that they that, that they, just the concept of giving themselves time and permission to do this sort of thinking mm. and get out of, of their rut is difficult. And so and that's where someone like Sonia and her articles and, and the medical forum comes in. Yes, yes. So um, and, and the next article... Uh, is going to the completely wonderfully practical is Liz Densley, who's a specialist medical accountant with um, Honey Barrett and a long-term um, contributor with useful articles on accountancy and tax advice for, for the NSGP. And this one's about the... We've, you've, called it, you've called it, Richard, to sell a house. Yes, after the cinematic orchestra song, which is oh, to build a house. To build a house, you yeah, like that one. Um, so um, yes, so if you're the if you if, if during your medical training you've bought a house in one part of the country and have to leave it to go and work in another part of the country, a, a common thing to do is to rent it out. But then when you actually come to selling the thing. Um, you then can be liable to something called capital gains tax because if you so if it's it, it basically you've been using it commercially and it makes a profit. Mm. But what Liz points out um, in, in in very simple terms in this article, but she, but 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 caveating that simple terms of the fact that there's a three hundred page document <laughs> on this, so this is an incredible summary, an incredible valuable summary of that. But there's it's so. To offset that gain, there's something called relief. Um, and there are two types of relief, the principal private residence relief and the letting relief. And Liz explains how to start um, putting your information together on all those different things. Yeah. Clearly ready to speak to an accountant. I mean, don't try this at home. 300 pages, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not no, no, no. to crack that. But again, with, with, with Liz's usual deft, deft touch at distilling the very... Uh, 
uh, complex into something simple. It's just, it, I, I hadn't ever thought of it, but obviously Liz has, Liz has developed this article from the almost like a case study. This She knows doctors that this yeah. has actually happened to, and she wants to raise it. So, uh, you know, it's a sort of raise it, but also don't be scared, because if you speak, get accountancy advice, you can actually get those reliefs in and yeah. off, offset it, I understand. So. And, 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 and uh, Liz, Liz is very forensic approach to, to this, and I'm sure to, to, to accounts as well, she's telling me actually she's got quite a few more locums have been signing on to her for advice which of course builds up to the expertise you know if i if i ever um, need need to look something up we should say that liz's um articles and blogs there's an archive of them on the nhgp website uh under the financial section or just even if you um search Liz densley in the search box you'll see these this archive of articles and of course you know things change tax regulations change but there are some you know basic tenants in there which i uh, I'm always looking at. She's got such a great way of explaining yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Liz. Um, and the next article. Well, hang on a minute. There's a picture. Oh, picture. A yes. Beautiful picture. By was, yes, by Claire de Mortimer, um, who's as one of our avid NASGP members. Not only is there this lovely picture of. Um, Someone's back garden. I think it's it's it's, it's, it's felt felt tip. It's fun. Um, and you know, felt tip is something the kids play with. I never really thought of, of us as grown ups. It's, it's very nice. It it's, will make you smile. Yeah. She also did the cover. And also the front cover as well. Um, Which is um, gorgeous. Yeah. Very uh, autumnal for October. Yes. yes. I don't know if that's what Claire beautiful, intended. But thank you. Beautiful Claire. abstract colours and things. So thank you, Claire. Uh, keep keep those coming. Um, and then oh, the, the, there's the best the act the advert for breast practice yeah, you'll in see Birmingham on yeah. the 18th and 19th of October next week. So that that yeah, so that's that's, that's the coming. Who's, who's going to be there, Richard? Oh, I think <laughs> I might be there. So we've we've actually for the first time ever we've we've um, we've invested in a stand. So we'll be the I'll, I will be manning stand F80 for two days um, by myself. So please come along and bring me a cup of tea or something if I'm looking a bit bit dehydrated. <laughs> um, and but I'm also on the Thursday. I'm giving a a talk on um, engaging locum GPs at scale because mm. there's an awful lot of that going about yeah. and we're not very happy with the way it's being done are we um, and that's kind of largely what the um our locum deck practius platform is an antidote to is the the corralling of uh, us sessional gps into a way of working that we have little or no control over mm. so i'll be talking about that come and come and do come and see see me at the stand please come along to the talk if uh, it, it's actually in the open arena so you can come and, um, and stand outside if you haven't got a ticket an arena what's, what's, oh, it makes you sound it's, 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 yeah, it's birmingham so. nec it, you get hecklers and uh no not yet <laughs> don't say that um so yes yeah, so, so but also if you want to come along and you want a ticket um if you go to the nesgp facebook page the group nesgp facebook group um there's a link there through to a, a form you can fill in sounds like you might need some friends <laughs> okay. No, I, I, in, in years gone by, so I've, I've been been quite a few times before, and, it, and it's, it's a lovely audience. Lots of other things to do there, so yeah. um, it's it's a good it's a good a event. festival. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so on, on to our next meaty article, which is from uh, our colleague Rachel, Dr. Rachel Birch at the MPS. Yes, and she's picked up on a trend and done a really interesting article on patients recording consultations recording as in as in audio recording yes yes and so 
you know, obviously with, with the growth of tech and everybody holding uh, really high quality recording devices most of the time in the form of their phones, um, Rachel cites this BMJ study, that, well, a study that appeared in the BMJ recently, saying that uh, patients are 69% of them expressed a wish to record consultations, half of those covertly. Yeah. Um, so she talks about that and goes into the... Um, the, the ups and downs of that. And a couple of case scenarios mm. of, 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 of an overt recording and covert recording, but also how how we would or should respond to a request to record a, a conversation. Basically, we've got to go along with it. Well, she said legally the position is that patients don't have to ask you um, because they're actually dealing with their own data. It's their own personal information that they're sort of processing. So there's no need for them to ask you. Obviously, it's in the interest of a good relationship if they perhaps do. But Rachel even makes... I mean, like Rachel makes the point that this actually could become the normal. I mean, if you think about it, if you call um, a, a call centre and get any sort of advice, they'll often say, we're going to record this for quality purposes. Yeah. Um, so that's an intriguing thought, that it could become the norm. And I think the what we have to do as GP... Anyway, in particularly, I'm just wondering, are, are we particularly exposed to this as locum GPs? Maybe working in an area where culturally people do record... We might be working in a practice where the, where it's, it's it's openly encouraged, but maybe we ought to each of us adopt a mentality whereby every every consultation, every phone call, every visit we do, we have to assume that it's being audio recorded at least, and if it's a home visit, probably video recorded yes. as well. And if we go into if we approach it in that way, um, and I think Rachel says this actually could be a good thing. Well, it yeah. might, it, I, you you like this? I, I don't mind. I mean, I don't mind. I mean, Rachel approaches it from the point of view that. Um, reasons why patients may want to do this and she talks about exploring those reasons if someone asks you but I mean they'll, they'll range from the positive as in they just want a, a, an adequate record so they can recall it afterwards um, to the you know maybe maybe somebody who's got a, a, a grievance about something and, and wants to um, if you like gather evidence mm. um, but I, I I I don't I don't mind I, so she's thinking of it from the patient's point of view I'm thinking of it also from my point of view, to sort of keep keep my consulting skills yeah. sharp. As you know, I'm on my never-ending quest to <laughs> improve my timekeeping in consultations. And I, it's been years since I, uh, ob uh, you know, had that objective awareness. You know, you, in your training you do all this recording and you're observed and then you go off into the wide world and you're kind of... In 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 the consulting room, you're often... You are more or less on your own. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to you about maybe thinking about doing some recording or sitting in with other people. Maybe you should go on, on Bear Grylls <laughs> Island thing. What? What's that? What if you're being recorded and videoed and everything uh, about you practicing as a mm. uh, I was I was uh, I was referring more to the kind of yes, getting getting, getting into the sub 10 minute category <laughs> <laughs> consult consultations. But anyway, yeah. it's really interesting. Really interesting. Um, so thank you Rachel. Thank you, Rachel Birch from the NPS. As always. Um, we, we have um, an advert. Now, I, this is an advert from Practice Cover. Yes. And I thought, I, my, um, I thought it was interesting because it says absence insurance, which I'd never heard before. But you reminded me, Richard, that this is actually the product that's offered by uh, Practice Cover at a discount to NESGP yes. members. Um, for this, if you like, bridging the gap insurance, if you had to, uh, to go off sick. And I think it, 
it means absence because it could be illness, it could be injury, it could be something like jury service. But if you're unavoidably absent for any of those reasons for any length of time, this can bridge the gap of um, covering you before something like uh, health um, income protection kicks in. Mm, yeah. Um, so... Which otherwise it could be quite a significant shortfall if you're um, a self-employed locum. Yes, because you'll often and have your deferment period for things like income protection. Yes, yes. Um, which, you know, which can be a matter of months. I think the longer the deferment period, the cheaper the insur- the, the income protection is. So this is a way of plugging yeah. that and, gap. And, and I was speaking to, to, to Linda from Practice Cover about this, and it's surprisingly affordable as well. It really didn't seem that much off one's... Um, a monthly income to pay it to, 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 as, you know as, as just one of those a small a relatively small expense to give you that reassurance that Is if it you time limited it, we, it's from anything from one month to a year right. the cover but also but Lin, Linda has just renewed our and made this an ongoing thing for any SCP members to get um, the, the discount off it okay. and there's some extra items in there which are covered for as well as an any SGP member so I think really yeah. worth exploring and it's not it's not just covering illness I think it said it says in the advert, and I've I've read the advert, not the policy details, but it talks about jury service, and hopefully a year, twelve yeah. months would cover yeah. most jury service. Because I've, I've, as you know, I've done jury oh, service, yeah. and and that was really expensive. It was fun, but it was really expensive. And given the choice, I would have rather taken the money, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but but in, and you can be called more than once. You can be. Yes. I, get, I'm, I fear that now I'm on on their list. Yes. <laughs> um, hey. Um, so uh, on to our next article, which was from Dr. Kate Little. It's entitled Mindful or Mindful. Yeah, see that? Yeah, yeah. that title. And Kate is a GP. She's been a GP for years in various different roles. She was a partner for many years. And in the last couple of years, she's founded a Physician Burnout, uh, physicianburnout.co.uk. Um, and... She she's she's been she's talked very openly um, about about having to step back from being a partner and the, the difficulties that she's had, and it it's just led her on this amazing journey looking at all these different resources um, that she's discovered for herself to um, protect herself and she wants to share those with others and um, this article on mindfulness I thought was uh, fantastic. Um, it's not so much sharing about this article. It's actually reading that. I'm thinking. I'm thinking because I've often toyed with it, but actually having read this, I'm thinking. Oh, do you Toy, know toyed what with this? Mindfulness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's something I've 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 tr- I haven't got quite quite got into yet. Although I've recently started, you know, a pottery evening class, mm. which I'm really enjoying. And actually, when I was tootling away on my my octopus that I'm making. <laughs> Um, car- right. carving, carving tattoo designs into its head. Um, looks more like an alien, actually. But but I just felt like a wash of calmness come over me that I just haven't felt in so long. Mm. Um, and um, but and, and 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 reflecting on that, what I was doing is I was there in the here and the now, which is what Kate talks yeah. about as being a real sort of key ingredient to this. But 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 in but in but so much more from the article. Yes. So if you don't know about about mind and even if you mindfulness, do or even if you do, it's a great overall description. And what I liked about it is she talks about ways, there's a section where she talks about ways of actually integrating this into your daily life. Um just with very yeah. short, doable 
things that you can do in daily life. And then she recommends some cracking resources at the end. And then the first one she recommends, um, I'm really p pleased because I, I've, I've read it. It's the, um, Finding Peace in a Frantic World by Mark Williams and Danny Ryan. Danny Penman. I'm so sorry, P Danny Penman. And I believe uh, Mark Williams was a professor of psychology at Oxford. I think he's retired now. And Danny Penman is a journalist. And Ooh. the reason I bring this up is because I read it and it's actually, it's really readable, really accessible. And I actually, when I do consultations, I go in and I, I kick up the computer and I have my uh, links to frequently used websites. And I go to Amazon specifically so that I can access this book wow. and show it to people. And say, that, may I said, you know, if, if, it, if the mood is right and they seem that they might be open to um, resources and I, I will show them the book and uh, I explain to them that it's got the credibility of being written by a psychologist, but it's got this um, uh, medical journalist who's written it very nicely. It's very, very approachable. It's very approachable. And it's got a CD with it, the book, I That's believe. That's right. So there's a course of exercises that you can do as, as well. Yeah. Um, so thanks thanks to Kate for reminding me of that wonderful book and, and just for the whole article, really, and yeah. tips on how to apply mindfulness in daily life. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and finally... Judith. Yes. Judith Harvey. Judith's got credit. This article um, is on the placebo, on placebos, and 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 um, Judith asks, should, should we actually be, and argues and, and and illustrates and outlines why we should be really actually starting <laughs> to think much more actively about using placebos in consultations. There's been a big movement recently in in. Um, behavioural economics and in fact the latest Nobel Prize for economics mm -hmm. was controversially awarded to Richard Taller who wrote Nudge, mm -hmm. co-wrote Nudge okay. um, and, um, and, and, and Judith, Judith alludes to, the, to, to Nudge in this where we, where we have a population um, with, with uh, um, eating, uh, with, with dietary problems, with weight and, and fitness and everything and it's kind of a way of, 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 of engineering the public towards getting themselves signing up for pension schemes, which we know has a positive effect, a net positive effect on mm. on the population, mm. and eating healthy, and because because this, but although this this uh, Judith has written uh, reviews a book on on um, gastroeconomic gastrophysics gastrophysics yeah. yes yeah. Um, yeah. it it actually uh, Judith then then weaves into this everything about about the prescribing of placebos oh. and nocebos and, and and how effective they are and yes. how sites of clinical trial, um, yeah. meta-analysis of um, uh, antidepressants and how actually the, the best drug that comes out of this with a number needed to treat of three is, is a placebo. But we don't actually ever prescribe placebos. And it's, see, I think I didn't pick up on the nudge thing. I, I saw an allusion to that, but I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I, I was. Thought, I, I think she gave some fascinating examples from her the gastrophysics book of how um, our responses to food, our expectations and responses about food and how much we're enjoying it, etc., uh, can be can be manipulated and taking that openness 
to manipulation to to how sometimes we we're conscious of it and we enjoy it you know if we go to a lovely restaurant and it's beautiful crockery and it's lovely lighting and sound we're going to enjoy our food more than if we we're eating the same food off a plastic plate you know in a, in a fluorescent striplet setting for instance um and sometimes so sometimes we actively seek it but the i didn't pick up on so much on the nudge thing but the placebo the, the all of the examples of food perception and the 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 studies of of placebos are, are just fascinating and i'm left again thinking how does judith do it <laughs> the, the one I, the one i like best with um with the placebo effect is is actually you know function there is it's not just the um uh, care and attention that patients are getting when they're being administered a placebo because judith makes the point that you know in double blinded randomized controlled trials the person getting the placebo and the person getting the active drug they're getting the same care and attention and and yet you know a placebo can go head to head with a treatment but the other one is the functional mri imaging of people being given with yeah. real can you know with people with parkinson's being given placebos will release dopamine in the areas in their brain you expect them to and people being <laughs> being given placebo analgesics will light up their analgesic areas in their brain it's just just incredible um and so, and and then she asks this amazing question at the end why aren't we doing more of this how could we do it and she she suggests a way forward for how we could introduce this into consultation yeah it's a, it's a good read and we have to I have to note of course that the that Judith has also just been awarded the BMA Reviewer of the Year. She? Yes, at an award ceremony in London last month. I've wow. got an email from a husband. Uh, oh. I think Judith is too modest to say to tell me herself, so her husband emailed. But that's that's a, a fantastic uh, um, a, um, accolade and, and, and very well deserved for Judith oh, as well. Thank you, Judith. And um, no, as, as you, the, the, I think one of the most enjoyable podcasts we've done is the I've done is the one with Judith on on menstruation and uh, her article on that from last month. And um, reminds me, I need to book up again to meet up with Judith on, and, mm -hmm. and have a good 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 chat about this one. And lastly, um, is, the, is a is a an, another a word from our sponsor is is an advert we've we've put in there from um, from Aswell. Actually, not an advert because they didn't. We've, we've we, this is a fantastic uh, charity. Um, and and so we've put health poverty, health poverty action, health poverty action, and and their new campaign or called as one, which is encouraging us as doctors in the developed world to um, spare is to is to apportion something that we do. For example, they they say buying a stethoscope or doing a cremation form and using that money, gifting that money to their charity to help support a physician. Um, of physicians in other parts, other health givers in other mm. parts of the world. Mm. So I think the idea is, we, uh, as health professionals, we're standing as one um, with yeah. our colleagues, with our colleagues around the world, and helping them with some of their their, their medical costs to help them deliver yeah. care. And um, I love, I, I just love this idea of, of grassroots action and looking for bright spots and yeah. thinking of of health, you know, beyond our borders. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So that brings that's the well that's the roundup of, of of this edition of the magazine. The next one will be in December. Um, so really, with us, we've been doing an awful lot. Meanwhile, magazine aside, we've been doing a lot on Practius and some great new um, upgrades to the Locum Deck. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the recent news of the indemnity, which was announced by Jeremy Hunt at the college yesterday. That in the effect on sessional GPs and and 
as from everything that we've seen, um, this indemnity reimbursement will apply equally to all GPs, including salary GPs and GP locums, uh, which is very exciting. I, 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 I do think it is. Uh, we're not yet to see, but I just... We did, think, the devil do, is in the detail. Do you think there's a catch? Do you think there will be a catch? <sighs> well, it doesn't come... A big catch is it doesn't come in till, for any of us until um, April 2019. Although I did have an email from my from the, indemnity provider talking about transitional arrangements but it won't apply till i renew which is sadly you you've only just renewed haven't yeah. you yes that that yeah so 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 there are some some good things coming in there um but but yes i understand it's going to be part of the contractual negotiations with the bma so it sounds like there may well be some i wouldn't be surprised if certainly the government's approach would be very much to to get get us jumping through hoops um, so whether we have to commit to a certain level of number of sessions, um, to us whether whether they might boost our um, what we need to do in appraisal, make shall, it. Shall we not give them ideas? <laughs> okay. Okay. But, okay. But I did wonder. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All um, right, Jeremy. If you're if you're listening, yeah. no, we're we're we're, oh, we're not we're not really doctors. Um, okay. So, um, Sarah, thank you so much for 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 going through sure, that, okay. and um, we'll meet you all again, uh, if not the Birmingham conference, in our next podcast. Merry Christmas. Yes. Thank you. Bye.